0: Good morning, South Oaks Church. This past week, we've seen uh, a terrible act of brutality and injustice that took the life of George Floyd. You've heard my thoughts about that by email. It was painful and horrifying to watch. It was murder. We're glad to see that the justice process is moving forward, and there have been peaceful protests about that. However, there's also been rioting, looting, and vandalism from bad actors and agitators that has destroyed and burned our neighborhoods. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I, I live close to one of the areas, and I know our worship leader mentioned that he does too. And it's kind of an unusual experience to see on TV people looting and burning the places you shop and in your neighborhoods, and to see the aftermath of all that. But we can't focus on that when the real need here is to pray for our leaders to ask God for wisdom, to pray for change. There's a basic problem that created the opening for this in our society, and we need to pray that God would give us the ability to uh, make some meaningful changes here. We as a nation need to repent of division. We need to repent of hatred and racism, in any form, and we need to repent of that and turn to God. Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, "If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven." I will forgive their sin and heal their land. What this verse tells us is that we as followers of Jesus Christ have an opportunity to help lead our nation at this time, in our state and in our communities, to repent for us and for our nation, and to begin the healing process. So I'd like to ask you to join with me as we pray here for a moment. For our cities, Pastor Steve and Pastor Jacques, would you come up here and will you join me as we pray? I'm going to ask each of them to pray too. Uh, we just need to pray because there is there is some serious need for prayer, for God to intervene in this whole thing. So Lord God, we just thank you Then in the midst of this, this trouble, this problem, this chaos, Lord, we can turn to you. Lord God, we ask you for... Um, Lord the root problem in all of this being able to happen in the first place Lord what the peaceful protests are all about is is the systemic racism in our even in our state and in our cities. Lord God we pray that you would, remove that off of people's heart, that they would be drawn to you and turn to you on this day of Pentecost, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would pour out in people's hearts and lives and draw us close to you, Lord God, that we would not be people to further this hatred and this division. Lord God, that we would be people that seek you and want to live our lives as you've called us to, people that show your love and your compassion and your care to others. Lord God, we pray for our city that's been so destroyed and... Affected by this. Father, the people's hearts are heavy. People's hearts are sad as we've seen what's happened in, in the midst of all of this. Father God, I pray for healing, first of all, for the black community who suffer for, have suffered for things like this that haven't been videotaped over the years for hundreds of years. Lord God, I pray that right now they would know that we are praying for them, that we care about them and love them. Lord God, that we would want to do things that show our compassion. And Lord, that we would repent uh, for us and for our nation for any racism there. Lord, in hidden forms that we don't even know about, Lord, reveal to us, reveal to us in our hearts any ways that we are not doing what you would have us do. Father, give us your wisdom and your peace in this matter. And Father, we pray for healing for all the communities that have been affected by all of this. Lord God, that your healing touch would begin now to draw us together in unity. Lord God, as, as has already been prayed this morning, there be a wisdom of knowing how to move forward in a way that honors and glorifies you, Lord Jesus.
1: Father, we you today father to bring change to the situation father i pray today lord god that uh, that uh, the people that are protesting the people that are responding uh god with the hatred and whatever kind of evil father i pray today lord god they will find you father because we know that we change that needs to happen father it has to be from a from a change of heart father yes. i pray father that the people will cry out to you, Father, because we know that you are the one who can transform hearts, who can transform a nation, who can change lives and change people, Father. Lord, I pray today, Lord God, that the church would rise up, Father, rise up to to pray for our nation, to pray for our leaders, to pray for our people, Father, because we know that uh, the enemy would love to use this situation to bring division, but Father, we're crying out for healing and unity. Crying out, of healing for change, and God, we pray that Lord that you would use the church, Father. If we mm-hmm. stay silent, Father, yeah. you would yeah. ask the rocks to cry out, and we don't want the rocks to cry out. We want you to use us, Father. I just pray today, Lord God, that, that we would bring everything to the throne of grace, Father, because we know, yes, Lord sir. God, when we bring our problem, when we bring the the, uh, the world crisis, Father, to you change everything father you can bring peace where there's chaos you can change your heart Lord God just like you changed the heart of Paul people that, that may have thought that well there's no salvation for this guy because he's a murderer he continued to murder but God when he face up with the light of the truth God, his heart was changed, Father. We pray, oh God, that mm-hmm. you would change your heart, mm-hmm. that you would start a revival, that will start Amen. in the church, Amen. and it will yes. go down to the street, and That's people, God. God, will cry out to you. The people that want change, Father, I hope that they, you will bring them to their knees, they will Amen. call out from heaven, because mm-hmm. you're the one who can bring real yeah. change, you're the one who can bring real restoration, because yes, it starts from the heart. Yes, God, we believe, oh God, that. The those things that are happening right now, they are not like an afterthought. You know those things would happen. And God, we're crying out as a church for, us, for you, God, to bring change. Amen. For you, God to bring healing. Yes. Lord, we thank you for who you are. Amen. We ask you to intervene, Father, in Jesus' name. I pray.
2: Amen. Father, we come before you this morning, and we understand that uh, a lot of people could look at the situation right now that we're in and go, this is impossible.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm really thankful that we serve the God of the impossible. Yes, Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful, Father, that there's no problem too big for you, that there's no issue beyond your ability to intervene. And so, Lord, today, what we ask for you to do, Lord, is to, to do the impossible. We ask you, Lord, to touch hearts and lives, Lord, uh, hearts of stone, Lord, break mm-hmm. them and, and turn them into mm-hmm. hearts of flesh. Yeah. God, we pray, Father, like, like Jacques prayed, Lord, I pray for a lot of Damascus Road experiences today. Yes, Lord, for God. those, Father, who are so far from you, who deny you, who have absolutely no interest in your will, your plans. Lord, I pray that you would intervene in their lives, Lord. I'm asking you to, to intervene in their lives, Lord. Show them, Father, the truth of who you are. Mm-hmm. And Lord, I pray that their lives would be touched and transformed for eternity. I pray, Father, that hearts bent on Hatred and destruction, Lord, would in an instant be changed into hearts of peace, into hearts filled with love. Lord, I pray there will be such a transformation. It will only be a miracle. It will just be—I'll be the only word for it. Lord, I pray, Father, that where people right now are full of despair and sadness and fear, I pray, Father, that you would replace it with your love, your joy, and your peace. And, Lord, I pray, Father, that today... Uh, You would begin with the church, Lord, as we repent of our own sins, Lord, and as we turn to you. Lord, I pray that you would use your church, Lord, to be your hands and feet, Mm -hmm. to bring healing into our communities. Lord, to bring healing into our own homes, to bring healing to our cities and our nation. Lord, there's not enough laws, there's not enough policemen to bring change, the kind that needs to be the only way this change can come is by change of heart. And so, Lord, we invite you to change hearts. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' precious and holy name, mm-hmm.
0: amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, we are in our third week on relationships. And today, uh, we're looking at relationships within the church. We looked at we looked at relationships at work, we've looked at relationships in our, in our uh, family, and today it's our church family. So uh, I uh, encourage you to uh, have your Bibles handy. We're going to look at some scripture here today. While I was preparing for today, I read some interesting statistics that show how important relationships are in people's lives. The American Institute of Stress conducted a research a few years ago on 232 patients who had undergone cardiac surgery. And of those patients, as they followed them up, 21 of those patients died within six months. And they looked at a number of factors with the people to see, you know, who was, who was doing better, who was uh, getting healthy, and then compared them to these people who had passed away. And what they found was that two of the significant mortality predictors uh, were one, a lack of participation in social or community groups. So in other words, these people weren't active socially um, in their community or in some other social group. And two, the absence of strength and comfort from religion. The people that did well had a good support group in their community, in their social groups, but also had strength and comfort that they drew from religion or from their church. This report shows that social activity can predict cardiac mortality as strongly as any physical element. The studies show that social isolation contributes to illness and death as much as smoking. Social isolation, I don't know if you've been watching on the news, but they it affects our mental health as well. The people who've been pretty much uh, locked down and not been able to do anything have really struggled with, with their mental health. People who even haven't had problems before have really felt depressed over this whole situation. So it's a good thing we're opening back up now so people can get some social interaction. So. Obviously, relationships are important, but having meaningful relationships in our culture seems to be getting harder and harder to do. I mean, families don't live near each other. Our kids live, you know, we have one child who lives in the area, but we've got two that live uh, two or three days away from us by driving. So, uh, you know, they're they're not real close. It's hard. People move around a lot. So it's hard also to have lifelong friendships. Just think of all the people that you've known over the years. They come into your life for a while and then they move, right? So uh, that's getting hard uh, to keep close relationships. In fact, it seems like most close relationships that people have today are over the internet or over the phone. They don't get together in person. They're using uh, the internet, even more so during COVID. But I mean, just think before that, if you can, you know, pre-COVID life, it was hard to keep in touch with people. You kind of had to use the phone or the internet for it. So, how would you describe, since we're talking about relationships today in the church, how would you describe uh, relationships in the church here? Remember, anybody just call it out. What do you think? How are the relationships in church? Superficial. In our church here? <laughs> okay, superficial. Okay. Not here, but. Okay, yeah, th- th- thank you. <laughs> Okay, in, in some churches superficial, but thank you for changing that part of your answer and saying that they're not that way here. Yes? Like it's, it's like having a second family, yeah. How else would you describe relationships in, in our church? Fellowship, Fellowship. yeah. Encouraging. Encouraging. Accepting. Accepting. Thank you all. I got a little worried there when Gary said that first thing. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Thank you, though. Thank you. It's true. It's It depends a lot on the church you go to because some churches, it is really difficult to have a meaningful relationship. But here at South Oaks, we like to talk about our family, our church being like family, right? We say it's like that because it really is. Uh, the relationships here, people care about each other. We pray for each other, we encourage each other, and sometimes we can help each other too. And I know there's people that still haven't come on Sunday morning that are are still watching live, but let me tell you, we care about you and we love you too. And we want to encourage you in whatever way we can. So today, uh, let's look at what does create meaningful relationships in the church. During my life, my church relationships have been some of the most meaningful friendships I've had. Uh, in fact, I met my husband at church. All right, so that's definitely meaningful. <laughs> um, with people like you, um, I, I have friendships that I see you guys at least once a week. It's great. During COVID-19, like I said, it's been a little more difficult. But even with those Bible studies we do on Zoom, which, by the way, if you want to come and be in person here we have it set up so that we can have zoom as part of the meeting but if you want to be here in person on thursday night let us know you're planning on coming and uh, you can be part of it we have a limit to how many people can be back there but there's plenty of room for for a a group back there and then the rest can be on zoom so let me know if you want to be part of that Uh, we're getting together that way uh, according to the state guidelines and uh, it's been wonderful though with zoom to kind of fill in the gap, so we can see each other's faces at least on on the internet, right? Um, and I know the first few weeks it was a little difficult. It felt a little awkward. And and by the way, have you seen that commercial? Where the commercial is a Zoom meeting, and they're do- it's really funny. It, I I just got to tell you, like people start talking over each other. All of a sudden, someone moves, and you're getting this much of their you know face or or whatever, or or this much, and it's just funny. That commercial is really like what it was the first few weeks of that Zoom thing, but we got it down now, and uh, it's really been encouraging to talk about the Word of God with each other and to see each other, even if it's just online, uh, for that time, and to have that fellowship. So I encourage you, if you want to be part of the Bible study, you want the link, I'd be glad to, uh, to send it to you. Someone else joined uh, this past week and it was great to have another new face as part of the group. So don't feel like, well, I haven't been part of it. It's too late now. It is not too late now. We had a new person last week, so you feel free to just uh, ask for the link, and we'll make sure you get it. So with our friendships with people at church, what's so great about them is this, is that we see each other. We kind of do life together. We hear about each other's children and grandchildren. We see them from time to time, and... And then um, we, we come alongside people and encourage people during good times and, and bad times. And Acts 2 is kind of what we're going to be basing our thoughts on today. So if you have your Bible, turn to Acts 2. And we're going to be looking at verses 42 to 47. Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Okay, so as we just read this, what are some of the characteristics you see of this early church? What, what are some of the truths about them? What, what do you notice? Giving. Giving. They had food. Selflessness. Selflessness. Yeah. They met daily. They met daily. Lots of fellowship. That's great. The joy of giving, the joy of giving to each other, yeah. They believed together. together. Yes, this first church was a place where people could and did build some meaningful relationships with all of these different things we've been saying. They met together in the temple courts, and so when they did that, that's one great big assembly for a very large group in the beginning. But let me tell you, you can't continue to meet in a group of 3,000 and think you're going to have some meaningful relationships in a huge, huge group. So then they met in individual homes. They ate together. They opened their hearts to each other. They praised God together. They shared with those who were in need and prayed for those who were in trouble. But you need to be able to meet in a smaller group for real fellowship to build meaningful relationships with each other. So uh, when you join us here on Sunday morning for church, uh, church needs to be at South Oaks more than just that Sunday morning event, doesn't it? We want this to become like your family, like your home away from home. Uh, you can develop friends where you can be cared for. Uh, you can help care for others. You know, it's really encouraging to people who are struggling with some things or who are having some tough times when people here. Come up to them and talk to them on Sunday morning and find out how they're doing. Now, I know you have to do it from six feet away now, but hey, that's, that's okay. You can still talk to each other. <laughs> um, this is a place where people know your name, you know, where you're not just a nameless, faceless kind of deal here. We want this to be a place where you can let your guard down, where you can be really who you are and feel accepted and loved. It's one about one of my favorite things about us here is that people here don't try to be some big deal, you know, like they're all really important or something, and they don't pretend to be something they're not. People here just want to follow Jesus in any way that they can. We don't claim to be perfect, especially not Pastor Steve and me. You know, um, we don't expect others to be perfect either. So another thing I enjoy about our church is like what I, we were talking about with this early church is we're kind of a nice size, you know. I, mean, I know a lot of people aren't here today, but we're a nice-sized church. We're a smaller church, um, and don't get me wrong, I'd love it if people continue to come, if we grow bigger. That's great. We want to see healthy things do grow, you know, but South Oaks right, uh, is big enough to be able to offer several ministries right now, which is wonderful. It'd be great to get a little bigger so we could offer more, but we're small enough, and even if we grow bigger, we'll continue to be that nice size that's small enough that no one gets lost in the crowd. I think that's especially valuable when you live in a really big area like the Twin Cities, that it's nice that your church has more of a small town feel. Don't you think? So in your life, you've probably had a limited number of people that you know. And, and you probably would say, I know them casually. Okay, and then you have an even smaller number of people you would say, I have more of a close relationship with those people. For example, like you go out to eat with a group of people, maybe after church, or maybe during the week you get together for Bible study. That's a smaller group of people that you know a little better. And then, beyond that, you have an even smaller number of people that you would say, these are my really close, intimate friends. These are the people that know the real me. These people, these few people know the real me and they still love me in spite of it, of who I am, right? Because all of us, we have warts and thing bruises on our personalities, you know, that, you know, but those people, they love you and they care about you and you don't have to be perfect for them to be a close, close friend. So I'm not suggesting that all of us now go out and try and develop a whole bunch of close, intimate friends. That's really not possible. You look at Jesus' example. He had only three disciples that he took into that inner circle with him. There were 12 then that were pretty close, right? We'd say those guys are close. And then beyond that, we find out that there were 120 who were loyal to him to the very end. Not everyone's intended to be that close inner circle. What we're encouraging you to do here at South Oaks, though, is to develop some close friends here, some friends you can interact with in person each week. The sad truth is that far too many people don't have any meaningful relationships in their churches at all. You know, church was never meant to be a place that we come and know, you just come on Sunday, and then when everything's done, we're out of here. It's, it's meant to be a place with meaningful relationships. So you have some meaningful relationships, maybe outside of church, too, within your family, for example, or at work, or in where you live. And that's important for our physical health and well-being, as we heard in that study. But in the same way, meaningful relationships at church are important for our spiritual health and spiritual well-being, as well. Proverbs 27.17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Church is meant to be a place where we sharpen one another. So what does that mean? What does it mean to sharpen one another? What do you think? Help us refine our thinking. Help us refine our thinking. Mentoring. help us understand who God is. Yeah, church is meant to be a place where we sharpen each other spiritually. And what that means is that we encourage one another to grow spiritually, to grow in our faith, and become more like Jesus Christ. So how can we have meaningful relationships with each other at our church? Well, according to what we've seen here in Acts 2, the first thing I would say is pray for each other, right? We want to pray for each other. Other friends can sympathize with you, but it's your friends from church, your Christian friends, who will pray for you when you have troubles or when you're struggling with difficult situations. In James 5, 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So think about it. Almost any time we get together with a group at South Oaks, Um, whether it's a Bible study or a connect group, you're usually, in that time, going to take time to pray together and pray for each other, right? Yes, don't underestimate the changes that come from being prayed for by other people in the church, right? Uh, We have seen some amazing answers to prayer over the years by people praying for each other here at South Oaks. Part of our church website now includes a prayer page, which means you can go to that page and you can submit a prayer request. And you can determine if you want just the pastors to know or if you don't want uh, anyone else other than them to know or if you don't care if the whole world knows because it would be posted there. So we want to be able to pray for each other. And part of that is we do have a prayer team here at the church where people take the time to pray for the needs of anyone who wants to share their hurts and concerns. And there are several people involved in this ministry. They take the prayer requests and pray for you several times during the week. We've seen God answer prayers that people have turned in and and requested us to pray alongside them about. We've seen God answer those prayers and do amazing things uh, because of the prayers of you the prayer team, and the leadership. So the first way to have meaningful relationships is to pray for each other. And the second thing is to hold each other accountable. So friends who are followers of Jesus Christ are the ones who will pray for you. And they're the ones who also will hold you accountable. Uh, Your other friends might not have the same standards as you. I mean, think of people you know from work or from your neighborhood. I mean, they, they might not have the same standards you do. It's your church friends who will hold you accountable when your language starts slipping or when you're acting in a way that's not good. They hold you accountable when your attitude gets sour or your marriage is endangered or you start compromising your values. That's what God wants us to do for each other, to hold each other accountable, to call each other to that better way. Galatians 6.1 reminds us, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. See, he's saying there that you don't want to go with an attitude like, you're so much better than that person you're holding accountable, is watch yourself, because you could be tempted too. So what we want to do is lovingly, gently help people know, hey, I'm seeing something here. You know, do you, do you mind if we pray about this together? It, I just don't think you want to be doing that. Other friends won't do that. Most casual Christian friends might not do that, right? But close followers of Jesus Christ, who are your friends, will take the courage to lovingly, gently confront you when you're wrong. And it shows, actually, that we care about each other and that we love each other. So the third thing for meaningful relationships is to honor Jesus Christ with our lives. We need to honor Jesus Christ in what we do. In John 13, 35, Jesus said, By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. So that's a way of honoring Jesus Christ, by showing our love for each other. And people around us in our lives outside of the church are probably not that impressed with strict church doctrines. And they're probably not impressed if there's a lot of talk and no action. Or big church buildings. You know, they look good, but, you know, is that really going to impress people? I'll tell you what will impress them. They're always going to be drawn to Jesus when they see People who are followers of Jesus Christ, who love each other and care for each other and help each other. The reason that that kind of love is so impressive to anyone is because it's so rare. I mean, think of it. How often do you sense that kind of love anywhere else in your life? It's the way we love each other that makes our church a unique place church should be one place where everyone feels accepted. Everyone. We want our church to be so loving, so caring, and welcoming that the community around us is drawn to our fellowship. Francis Schaeffer, who wrote a lot of Christian uh, books about theology, about relationship with God, said, Our relationship with each other is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. That alone is big enough motivation for us, isn't it? To take the time and trouble to build close relationships with each other here at South Oaks Church, your church family. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So he's saying, spur each other on toward love and good deeds. Don't give up meeting together like some people have gotten in the habit of doing. They got in the habit of not going to church and not meeting together. But to encourage each other all the more as you see the day approaching. Okay, so what is the day? What do you think? The day Jesus comes back. The day of the Lord. There's a day coming when we won't be able to anymore go out and tell people about Jesus Christ and draw them in. Uh, The day of the Lord. So I've heard a lot during the past week here that people think this looks like the end of the age. You know, they're they're reading their Bibles and they're saying, boy, this sounds just like what I'm reading here in my Bible, what's going on here. So do you think maybe the day might be close and approaching? So why would it be even more important as we see that day approaching? Time is short. Time is short. What else? We need to be out sharing. What else? The devil's creating division, division. Right. Well, here's the thing. If there's a lot of trouble, a lot of division, and there's a lot of people we want to share with, How are we able to be encouraged? How are we able to be growing in our faith? How are we able to uh, help each other know what love and good deeds look like if we are not gathering together regularly? Sunday, during the week for Bible study, how are we able to do that without that? Meaningful relationships within the church can't happen if we don't ever get together. Because of the trouble of the world, we need each other. We need to pray for each other. We need to encourage each other to worship together. To worship together each Sunday and to hear what God has for us in the Bible. What is his word to us each week? Building those meaningful relationships takes time, right? You don't just start and say, okay, I'm going to have them, and all of a sudden you do. You have to work at it a little bit. It's easier to just attend the church and just go straight home afterwards, right? But what's easy then, too, um, it is to maybe not be so much in the habit of meeting. I mean, like maybe oh, I'll go once or twice or whatever. You know, not go regularly. That's easy. That's, that's not having the habit of doing it. So how can we live in a way that honors Jesus Christ and have those meaningful relationships here at South Oaks? The first thing is to honor Jesus Christ is that we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We said today is, uh, is remembering Pentecost. It's Pentecost Sunday. What we're remembering is when in this early church, Acts 2, 1 to 4, says when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound of the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The power of the Holy Spirit is what we need as followers of Jesus Christ to be able to live our lives, to be able to do those things that are in the Word of God. God didn't say, hey, do them, and there's this impossible list that none of us can do. To be able to follow Jesus Christ and live our lives to honor and glorify him, we need that power, that baptism of the Holy Spirit to be able to do what he's asked us to do. Jesus told his disciples in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And listen, if those early disciples needed the power of the Holy Spirit in their day, how much more do we need it today? I mean, everyone needs the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to pray, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can follow you in a way that honors Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame, Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, to be able to know God's love in your own heart and to show God's love to others, you need to be filled with that Holy Spirit power, that Holy Spirit love. When the Holy Spirit fills you up, he fills you with all of the things you need from God, the love, the peace, the joy, the hope. And I could go on all the things that we need to live our Christian life, not only to just honor Jesus Christ, but to honor each other, to honor ourselves, to be able to live in a way that builds community, that builds restoration of broken relationships. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. So be filled with the Holy Spirit and then don't be selfish. The society we live in is such a self-oriented society. It's it's not just all about us. I mean we can sit here and think what is it what does church have for me? how will I benefit from this? But the church can't be selfish. for the Christian for the follower of Christ the question shouldn't be how can this benefit me but how can this benefit the kingdom of God? How can this benefit the body of Christ? President um, John Kennedy, Once said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Now that might be true for the nation or for a political establishment. But how much more should it be true for us as followers of Jesus Christ and uh, part of the kingdom of God that we need to spend less time thinking about ourselves and how it benefits us and thinking more of God and the body of Christ Asking God what we can do for Him, and what we can do for each other. Self is all about the individual. But the Kingdom of God is about others. It's about a family. It's about a body of Christ. People join together to follow Him. Ephesians 4.4 says, There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. We're all one, one body. The church isn't made up of a lot of disconnected people, or at least it shouldn't be. The church isn't like, I'm doing my thing here and you're doing your thing over there. Imagine if your hand just suddenly decided it didn't want to work with your arm, and so it just went off. Imagine if your arm and your foot didn't like each other. They both wanted to help you, but they had different ways about how that would look. Suppose your hand decided one day that it wouldn't just do its own thing. It completely separated off your arm. It would soon find it was pretty useless without your arm. In fact, if you had a hundred hands and none of them were connected to arms, they wouldn't be any good. They wouldn't be as good as one hand connected to one arm. For your human body to work, it has to work together, right? Yes, and the church is exactly the same way. I'm sure we all want to fulfill God's purposes in our lives, but if we allow ourselves to become selfish, then everyone just ends up doing their own thing. It's not that we don't want to do God's work, but we just don't want to do it with that person there or this person here. I was not talking about you, by the way. (laughs) When we do that, what we have done is put conditions on how we will serve, or who we will serve with, or who we will allow to be a leader for us. We're not really accomplishing anything for the kingdom because we're separated from the body. The church must be a team, a family, all of us working together. accomplish God's purpose, because that's the only way that God's will will be accomplished. Christianity isn't about self, it's about others. Not about us ourselves, but about others in the body of Christ. Paul speaks of that in 2nd Timothy 4 6, he says, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. The time for my departure is near. And what he's talking about is in the Old Testament, a drink offering was one in which they would take wine or water and pour it on the ground as an offering to God. You might look at that and say, well, that seems like a big waste. They're pouring all that water, all that wine on the ground. That's kind of a waste. How does that help? Uh, Or maybe we think, you know, man, you could have used that wine for something else. Someone could have been drinking it. Someone could have used it to clean a wound or kill bacteria or all the other uses you could have used it for, water or wine, but none could have been as glorious or wonderful as being poured out to God. It's also true of our lives. There's so many things that we can accomplish during our lifetime. There's so many levels of success that we can try to attain. It's interesting in this verse, when you look at that, when he said poured out, the Greek word for that is spendo. Spendo. Does that remind you of the English word spent? That's because they are definitely the same root. It may seem that the person poured out to God doesn't accomplish anything. You know, nothing great anyway, you know. might seem like a terrible waste of their abilities. Instead of doing what they did, they could have striven to do so much more. I mean, but that's not the question, is it? Not what great thing did you do? That's not what we are asked. At the end of our lives, Jesus says, How did we serve him? The measure of a life well spent is not what great things you've accomplished or how much success you've had. What's important was was your life spent for Jesus Christ and for his purposes and for the kingdom of God then be humble. This is a really great way to honor Jesus with your life. Trying to make a good impression on others talks about being proud of you know, your accomplishments. Not being humble speaks of being proud of yourself, having a superiority complex. And Jesus dealt with this too when he talked to the Pharisees, didn't he? Luke 18, nine to 14, to some who were confident of their own righteousness. I mean, how can you be confident of your own righteousness? I guess it's because they had that checklist and they were checking every box every day. To those who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, doers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fasted twice a week and give a 10th of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus told him, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home to be justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. God isn't interested if we think we're great. In fact, 1 Peter 5.5 5 says, In the same way you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. So every day it tells us that we need to clothe ourselves with humility. We want to put humility on each day. In the morning when you get up, when you're taking your shower and then get dressed, you should say, Dear Lord, just like I'm putting on my shirt, just like I'm putting on my pants, just like I'm putting on my jacket, just like I'm putting on my clothes today, Lord, help me to put on humility. Put on me the humility that Jesus Christ had. Help me to be more like Him. Not only is God against the proud, but we see here that Peter's specifically addressing pride within the church. When we think we're better than others, when we think we're better than those people who were in Minneapolis who were destroying things, when we have a pride issue about that and we think we're so much better than them, we're living in pride, not humility. Yes, we haven't done those things that they've done. But we need to pray for them. We need to have compassion for them and pray that they come to know Jesus Christ. When we think we're better than others, when we don't respect them, we destroy the unity of the church. It's humility that allows us to work together to accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. The greatest event that ever took place was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And yet for him, it was an utter humiliation according to God's word. This was a new concept with Jesus Christ, but before Jesus, humility wasn't considered a virtue. It was considered to be a sign of weakness. It was considered to be undesirable. But Jesus showed that humility was so important. He taught us the power of that. Humility is a powerful tool that helps keep the unity of the church, and helps bind us together in love. And then to honor Jesus Christ, we need to be interested in others. We can't just talk about it. We actually have to be interested in others. Uh, It's about what we're doing together. We contribute something that's our own at church for sure. We each have our own role and function in the body. But we can't just do what we're called to and forget about everybody else. Our ministry isn't the most important one. It's not that we just do our thing and someone else does something here and someone else does something there. The early church understood this and they took interest in each other. They drew each other in. They had these groups where they cared about each other, were interested in each other. And we also need to have that same concern for people, not just for our needs and our concerns I mean we can get pretty wound up in that can't we because we live with ourselves and we see we have needs we see we have problems but we also need to understand that we are not the only one that have issues we're not the only ones and that those issues don't deserve the full attention of everyone else you know we shouldn't be just like that all the time It's great if we're accomplishing things for God. It's wonderful that you take your requests and ask for prayer. It's wonderful that you, when you have issues that others know and pray for you, but in that same way, you need to be outwardly focused and see the needs and the concerns of others. We wanna make sure that we're not so focused on just what's going on in our own little circle of events that we don't see what's happening in others' lives. Remember, the kingdom of God is about people. There's lots of things we can accomplish, but if we forget the people around us, we've accomplished all those things in vain. So to have close friendships, we also need to be interested in others. So let's review what we just talked about, how to have close, meaningful relationships here in the church, specifically here at South Oaks. First, pray for each other, Second, hold each other accountable. Third, honor Jesus Christ with our lives. So be filled with the Holy Spirit, be unselfish, and be humble and interested in others. So that's a lot of stuff I know, but that's how our mindset should be. As we gather together, just like the early church, when we live like that, we're gonna show God's love to each other and to the world. So I'd ask you to stand as we close. And if you could just bow your head, and and the question is do you want to have close relationships with other followers of Jesus Christ? So just bow your heads, Um, the first thing we always need to remember is that the closest friend that we can have ever is Jesus Christ. Our earthly friends might disappoint us, but Jesus is the friend according to the word that never lets us down. The Bible tells us that Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. And he sacrificed his life to save you. His death on the cross and his resurrection in power gives us that ability to come to him and to know him and ask him for salvation. So today, that's the starting point here. If you've never uh, made that commitment to Jesus Christ, if you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior, and you'd like to do that today, just raise your hand. Say, I want, to, I want to commit my life to Jesus today. Just raise your hand. Okay, thank you. God still bowed here. On the final night before Jesus went to the cross, he took his disciples with him into that Garden of Gethsemane. And you remember from that account, he took his three closest friends into that innermost part of the Garden, and he encouraged them to pray with him. This was a tough time. He prayed and asked his father, Lord, if, if Father, if you can remove this from me, do. But if it's your will, I, I want to do it. It was a, a hard time and he needed his closest friends near to him. And so do we, when we are going through troubled times like we are now. Friends who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who follow him, these are the friends that we really need at this time. And if you, have not made being a good friend to other followers of Jesus Christ or others here at this church. And you wanna make that commitment today to say, Lord, I wanna have good, meaningful relationships at this church. I wanna be that good friend to others as part of this body of Christ. Would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Lord God, we thank you that your word today is so clear about that early church about how much it was a community of people that cared for each other and loved each other that were concerned for each other's health and well-being that they were concerned for each other as they grew in their faith and lord god i pray that south looks would be a church like that lord i pray that as a body of christ here we would show your love not just to each other but to the community around us father that people would say wow there's something so cool and special about that church they really love each other and care for each other lord i pray that you give us opportunity even this week to uh, just be that friend be that person that uh, has the concern for others in this body and lord god we just pray that as South folks continues to grow Lord God, that you would use us in a powerful way. Lord, to draw others into that body of Christ, to know what it means to follow Jesus Christ and to show your love to each other and to the world around us. Lord God, we pray that we would be in the habit of doing that, of getting together. That we would not allow the troubles and issues of the world to pull us away from you. Your word says that we need this. We need to encourage each other to help each other even as the day approaches. And so, Lord God, we pray that in the middle of all of this stuff going on in our world, Lord God, that people would call out on your name. Lord, that we would welcome people in, that people would know that this is a place that they can call family, that they can be uh, helped in what it means to follow Jesus Christ. That, That, Lord, we love them and care for them and for each other. Thank you, Lord, for this morning and for this opportunity to worship you, to be together in this family group at Salt In Jesus' name, amen.